This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm one of your hosts, and I am joined by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. I'm doing pretty well. You know, it is now we're on the precipice of, I guess, show two of Elite's preseason, all Elite Wrestling's preseason. But, you know, I'm stoked. I'm glad to be back with y'all tonight. And, you know, I'm kind of also in the afterglow, you know, after what happened up in Queens by our permanently on assignment, Aaron Taub, and some of the good work he did out there. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Absolutely. Three shouts for Tiffany Caban, Queen's next district attorney. All right. We're also joined, as always, by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? What's up, Mike? Um, I think my bit up top is going to be just no banter because I feel like the pressure is mounting now with all the criticism that person that I have gotten about the banter. People are really honing in on it. So I'm just going to do no small talk. I don't like catching up with friends anyway. So this is it. Just Pro wrestling, yeah. Okay, pro wrestling commentator, Epitasis. Yeah, I was going to ask about your succulents, but I guess fuck them. We're never going to talk about them again on the show. Well, you were supposed to ask last week when the watering was due for them, and no one did. So it's I don't know that. Had to, well, we did discuss it. So okay. that's on me. <laughs> Nobody did. So you guys dropped the ball. Now, you know, if my succulents die, I think it's on the two of you. Whoa. Well, I mean, you were supposed to water them. Did they die? No, you, you can. It's two to three weeks, really. So, I did water them. Well, that's good. So they're still alive, uh, as best I can tell. Excellent. All right. Well, if you want more info on Nate's succulents, make sure that you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. You can get Nate's personal account at Epitasis. He talks about his succulents on there. Not true. I don't. You can follow me at Aaron like the car. I've never tweeted about a succulent. And you can follow Mike at Fujiheya. That's Fuji with two eyes, like Don Fuji. I think that's the bit. Yes, Make that's sure the bit. Proud next, of you. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast feed. You can just search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, or you can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network, where you will get our show along with all the other shows on the VOW network. But if you're subscribed uh, to, to ours or that, you'll see us usually every Thursday night. We try to drop this thing. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We are going to finally do a preview for Fighter Fest. We're going to break down all the matches. We're going to talk about Fight for the Fall, since that's the next show coming up. We've got some AEW television news that's pretty interesting, especially some stuff that uh, was in the Observer just before we started recording. And of course, although it was in question for a moment, Nate will break down this week's being the elite. But let's start with Fighter Fest. It's, of course, this Saturday, June 29th, at the Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. Free on BR Live. Just make sure that you have set up an account and all that stuff before the show starts. The pre-show, the buy-in, they're sticking with that name, starts at 7.30. The main show is at 8.30. Those times are Eastern, of course. Why wouldn't they be? Pre-show. Okay, we were going to talk about this match first. Kylie Ray versus Leva Bates with Peter Avalon. But Dave Meltzer reports in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, he's breaking down the card, and he says there may be one more match added. And he's listed every match except this match. And he says, at one point, Leva Bates, in parentheses, the female librarian, 
which I just love. Classic Dave. Versus Kylie Ray was that match. And at last word, it was likely a women's match. But that match is up in the air and at one point was changed. <laughs> so it's hard to follow. But what I get from that is this match may not happen. Uh, but there might be another match and there might be women involved. We really don't know. Yeah. And the uh, word that this came out from, I think, was the ITV internet posting of the card for ITV and UK and Ireland. So that's where everyone expected that. And, you know, if I don't have to see Leva Bates wrestle, I'm pretty okay with that. I would definitely still want to see how they're going to build up Kylie Ray. I'm just so done with the dorky librarian gimmicks with these two. And I just want them to move on and move like past this kind of BTE storyline. Yeah, I think uh, Leva Bates is better now than the perception of her largely is um, in the wrestling discourse at large because when she really got a lot of eyes on her after like the blue pants thing, she was, you know, pretty bad. Um, you know, having seen her at Shimmer a couple times and like a tag run with uh, Delilah Doom, I think she's more or less competent, but certainly not anything that's really going to get you fired up to watch her in a singles match. Um, I guess the appeal of this is it advances whatever is they're doing with Leva Bates and Peter Avalon. Um, but yeah, you have to expect that Kylie's going to get a, a big win there or a small win or a regular win uh, to set her up as one of the main players. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Kylie Ray get uh, a nice little win and build some momentum. She didn't really, you know, there just wasn't a lot of focus on just about anybody in the uh, the four-way at double or nothing. So we'll see what if this match happens and what it looks like if it does. The other pre-show match, surprise, this is on the pre-show. Best friends, Chucky e. T and Trent versus Private Party versus the SCU team of Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky for an opportunity at a first-round five match in the tag team tournament or something like that. The hottest stipulation in all of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. Why, why is this on the pre-show? Very weird. I think this is like, okay, we need to have a work rate match on the pre-show personally, just because the next match we're going to get into that match is unless you are a secret to Bailey fan and support his efforts as a tournament organizer, it's not going to like entice you to buy in to literally buy in into the show and to continue watching it on your stream. I feel like that this kind of match is a perfect kind of match for best friends to do great at this kind of multi-team match. And then to introduce private party, I have to expect that this is going to be a big night for private party. I would have them win in this match. And then, you know, Kaz and Sky are good people to hold us down, but yeah, this is kind of the outlier on this pre-show. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter because it's a free show. So it's not like they're selling you with this match. Like, if you're watching the pre-show, then you're definitely watching the main show because it's free. Um, I guess, I, you know, which match would you bump down to the pre-show? Um, you know, you, you definitely want to have a women's match on the on the main card. All those other matches are featuring people who are going to be top players going forward. So I guess it's fine. It doesn't matter that it's on the pre-show so much. Um, as we discussed last week, the stip is overly complicated and stupid. And really, I think, like, the organizational structure of how matches are going to be booked and it's going to be decided who's better than who. And this company is like my biggest question mark because right now we have like five authority figures who are making matches alternately, you know, in like a serious presentation versus like a 
comedy show and like by request and also like in tournaments, but just also in goofy powder oils and shit. Um, that's my only issue with this match. The action, like we said, is, is going to kick ass. I'm sure. I'm with Mike on this. Uh, I wrote, if you check it out at voicesofwrestling.com, I was part of the uh, preview panel for this show. And I, of course, had to give a prediction to all the matches. And I predicted Private Party to win this thing. I know they are the least known of the teams and certainly the uh, least veteran of the teams. But if this company is really about showcasing fresh talent, as they've claimed over and over, that's uh, a good chance to establish Private Party and uh, build them up going forward. Yeah, I, I also don't know. Another complaint about the stip is that I don't know that it matters who wins because the losing teams are still going to be in the tournament. So it's like an exhibition. It's going to be a fun spot fest to uh, you know appeal to the gamers and be like, hey, gamers, you got these fucking crazy flips and people flying all over the ring. And that's a very appealing part of pro wrestling. So it's a good thing to, to hook people in. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the action is going to be the focus. The, uh, the wins and losses in this company where wins and losses matter do not really matter in this match. Yeah. That's just the wild thing that I keep on going back to is why would you want to have an extra match in this tournament? Cause essentially this is okay. You have two matches before the tournament itself. And if you win those two matches, then you don't have to face someone in the first match, but you still already had two matches. And why am I doing this mental math again after last week? That path leads to madness, Mike. Final pre-show match. Hardcore rules. Alex Jabaley versus Michael Nakazawa. Another take I had on in the preview, and this is built on, on Nate's um, back catalog of takes, is that everybody's like, why would you have this match? And why would you do it on the pre-show? Nobody's going to like this. And then they're not going to watch the show. But the point is, like, this is what the people who watch BTE, the you know, normie BTE fans, they're excited about this. They want to see this match. It's it's They're going to pay off what they've been building up. Do I want to see it? Well, actually, kind of. I think it'll be funny. But, you know, I'm not, like, salivating to see it. It might not sell me on buying their show. Of course, like Nate said, the show is free. But a large part of the audience is going to be really into this. So, and it's going to be fun if you're in the building. So I just think all the crying about this match being on the pre-show is, is overwrought. Yeah. I don't know who you're talking to. That sounds like that, but I would not recommend that you talk to them anymore. Cause that was, <laughs> they sound unpleasant. They sound annoying. Just cut them out. Um, yeah. I mean, what this is, uh, just the existence of this match, I guess is an amusing thing. So it's funny that Jabali is going to have like a cage match page. That's funny. Um, you know, Jabali is going to be, I mean, he might already for all I know. Um, but yeah, exactly like you said, uh, this is going to be over because they've been building it on BTE. They're going to pay it off. That's really all you have to do. Um, I imagine there's going to be like some cool touches for the gamers in there. Some little memes or, you know, some hit somebody with a guitar hero guitar. That's probably not a current reference. Not at all. Um, <laughs> thank you, Mike. Uh, but yeah, it'll, it'll dream, um, I don't know, a phone that has been. This will this will probably be cute. Uh, I guess Jabali Jabali won last year when he was injured, right? So I guess he still has to win. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense that the guy who's promoting the overall tournament wins this match. And 
I, I mean, Michael Nakazawa seems to just be there because he's Michael Nakazawa and he's a B tier comedy wrestler. So I, I have my comedy wrestler tiers. The top tier is just Stalker Chikawa and Samiri Natsu, and it's all downhill from there. But I think this is really a match for the people in the building. I know that this is probably a lot of our listeners and the wrestling world's real first exposure to like the fighting game community, but Jabaley for who he is is a pretty well-known figure and he's pretty controversial. So having him in this kind of match is something that will draw people in from the community. And, you know, if some of them stick around and want to become full-time all elite fans, that's a market that no one else is looking towards. So at the very least, like, this is a fine match to have here. I'd much rather have this match on this pre-show, which, you know, the uh, fighting game community members in the crowd probably will go crazy for this match, seeing Jabaley, like, get hit with a steel chair. So it'll be a good thing for the people in the arena, and I guess Jabaley wins, so we'll have, like, a two-match cage match for this page at this point. All right, we're going to get into the main card now. I'm just looking at this, though. There's six matches. You think this thing's over? It could be over in two hours? Six total or six, six in the main card? Six main card matches. I'm saying main card two hours. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah, two and a half sounds about right. I mean, it'll start at 8.30. It'll go off air by 10 or by 11. I can't do math. Yeah. <laughs> 11, right. that makes first, sense. First match on our list here, Yuka Sakazaki, the magical girl, versus Riho versus Nyla Rose. So we get two of the Joshis back, and Nyla Rose gets an opportunity maybe to uh, – show a little more domination than she did in the four-way match. I thought Sakazaki was the was the star of that uh, of the Joshi match, the the six-woman match. And so I didn't know if she was going to be back. I was hoping that she would be, and so I'm excited that she's already back. And this I guess will be the second in the Riho five-match uh challenge to see if she wants to stick around. So I don't know, this should be great. Did see um that the brain genius George W. Bushi uh, translated or found a quote from Riho where she indicated she would still be working with Gato Move uh, and was not moving to the United States in the uh, imminent future. So not entirely clear if that's because she still has that five-match series that she's doing on her contract or if she already made up her mind and she's just going to do like part-time AEW. Um, but I thought that was an interesting thing to note. Um, also interesting in that interview is how she characterizes her team with Kenny Omega versus how Kenny characterizes it on BTE. I'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I think it's great. I think this is probably the good move to give Nyla a bigger shot to shine in this match as compared to her double or nothing match. Um, she's going to be able to be the Gaijin, not the Gaijin, the Kaiju, the Gaijin Kaiju in this match. Um, and you know, have two small girls that she can throw around and beat up uh, with Yuka and Riho. And they're both great wrestlers, as we know. Um, so I expect to see them do a great job of uh, getting their ass kicked. So, yeah, I think this is a, a smart sort of second match to give uh, Nyla more of a defined role. Yeah, and especially with how she was kind of cast to the side as soon as ama Amazing and Awesome Kong showed up, that, like, you kind of had to... That, that you have to reestablish her and having her in this position with that she's able to have more of a dominant role in this kind of match, I think is the best case scenario for her after double or nothing. I I think 
I think Yuka is like one of my favorite wrestlers. I've only seen one match. I've been like, she's already in Daytona and it's just like tweeting about like how excited she is to see the beach in Florida, even though it's Daytona. Like as someone who lived in Florida for five years, <laughs> Daytona is probably, I, I, Nate, would you say it's probably like one of the two worst beaches you can go to in Florida? I don't think I ever went to the Daytona beach. Um, but I did see that she was tweeting excitedly from the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company, which was very funny. <laughs> she did a post that had three pictures and two were from uh, the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. She right. owns so much. <laughs> yeah. She's the best. And, <laughs> you, you know, I'm really excited for this match. Like, this is outside of actually the uh, Moxley Janela match and Daniels and Shima. It's probably my, the match I'm most looking forward to on this card just because I, it seemed like that. Out of most of the newcomers who were on Double or Nothing, at least newcomers for Western audiences, it seemed like Yuka Sakazaki kind of was the person that had the most buzz about them after the show. And after like being able to talk to Nyla Rose in the post in the post show scrum, like how commanding of a presence she is and how awesome she was during that interview and just like her just general personality, I'm really excited to see like how they could build upon someone who seems to be such an awesome person already, like have more of her. And this is a perfect kind of match to display that. Next up, we have Christopher Daniels versus Shima. And I mean, I think I can do nothing but uh, give Mike the floor here. Okay, so I, I did notice the nice little dig he made at me on the uh, written preview that I, I, I gave you the full one, you know? I've I've been schooling you in Shima for a while. A dig? I just wanted to shout you out as a DG expert. That was all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, this is a match that uh, like Daniels has talked about it, that is steeped in history, like probably outside of the Rhodes brothers. This is kind of like the deepest history match in the promotion so far, because Daniels was a very young wrestler when he was over in Michinoku pro where he got to know crazy max and the leader of crazy max, of course, was Shima. And after Michinoku pro, after they stopped going to Michiroku Pro, Shima went with Crazy Max to the launch of Torimon Japan. And then Christopher Daniels, of course, had his incredible career that he's had to this date in the United States. They've kind of diverged. And just having these two back together is really interesting, especially for someone like Shima that is someone that, like, I've kind of had to take a step back and realize, even though I'm someone that is really nerdy about this kind of stuff. Like Shima's overall exposure, at least into the wrestling community, unless you're watching Ring of Honor in 2006 through Dragon Gate USA in 2012, you probably have no clue who this guy is. And he is one of the, the people most responsible for this modern form of wrestling that we see up and down the just the wrestling world. I mean, a lot of his direct students are in WWE. I mean, you look at Sami Zayn, you look at Ricochet most notably, and even people like Johnny Gargano, who are huge protégés of him. And Christopher Daniels seems like that he's kind of taking this role as, okay, I want to make sure that the wrestling world knows and appreciates Shima through this. And then we're going to get to see another match like that in Jacksonville. So I'm really stoked for it. And I have to think Shima wins just because he's going to be facing Kenny Omega the next month. So it just makes more sense that he has he he gets a win back over SCU and it builds him up towards what I guess is the semi main for fight for the fallen so far at least that's what it seems like but beneath the brothers tag but well, there's only three matches announced so right right <laughs> yeah it's something that I'm not a I haven't watched a ton of Shima as Mike knows uh, doesn't mean I'm not a fan 
And so I'm not as fired up, certainly, as Mike is, but he's gotten me fired up about the history that's going to be on display in this match. And I just have a sense that when Christopher Daniels talks about how he wants to show, or he, he knows Shima wants to show the world what Western audiences haven't seen. Christopher Daniels wants to prove that he's not just a tag and trios guy. I just think they're really going to go all out here and put on uh, a very good match. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, and that's kind of a funny thing is that Shima's best matches are tag matches and Christopher Daniels is someone who's become a tag worker over the last three years. So it's interesting that they're both kind of casting that aside and having a one-on-one -on -one match. And I find that another like interesting facet of this match. All right, then we have Adam Page versus MJF versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy, all of Nate's favorite wrestlers in one match. I don't think, have I uh, proffered an opinion on Jimmy Havoc yet? I don't know that I have. Uh, actually, I don't know. I can't say. Okay. Um, yeah, this is, I think, going to be fun. Um, this uh, we, we know that um, like MJF and Jungle Boy uh, have some experience with the wacky undercard scrambles that you'll see in like a uh, GCW or like an APW or something like that. Um, I don't really know what to expect from Jimmy Havoc in this spot. I think the matches of his that I've seen are like, yeah, like a technical showcase with Zack Sabre Jr. at Progress Orlando uh, and then death matches, obviously. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he is slotted in this match because I don't, looking at him, I guess I don't characterize him as like somebody that can jump right into like the Dragon Gate style of multi-man matches. Um, but yeah, I think this should be pretty fun. I'm interested to see what kind of big spots Jungle Boy in particular pulls out. Um, but, uh, obviously Paige has to get the strong win here, uh, perhaps over Jungle Boy. Um, cause MJF seems to be, uh, a, a key guy moving ahead as he's featured in all their videos all the time. I just like Jimmy Havoc's the one person in this promotion. That I'm still trying to wrap my head around why he's here. Like everyone else, like it makes sense and it would make sense on this kind of roster. But I'm wondering what like secret spell Jimmy Havoc has put on the elite and Tony Khan. Maybe he, I don't know like what his favorite football club is. Maybe they're both, maybe he's a Fulham fan and that's why Tony wants him on these shows because he just makes like no sense in this promotion. <laughs> and I just have no use for him here in my opinion. And I'm excited about the rest of the show. I think that we're going to have to see like MJF really get pushed into being more than just a character guy and seeing how jungle boy develops. And I mean, Adam page, you, he's going to look great in this match and he'll probably, as I said, get like the one over jungle boy. Cause he seems like that that's the easy win there. And that's the guy that they're going to try to build up slowly. Yeah. I think if I had to guess, uh, I, I guess the test that he passed is the, have you gotten over somewhere and made yourself a, a star somewhere? And my understanding is Jimmy Havoc yeah. carried a lot of the early, early progress cards. So I'm guessing that's why he's here. Basically is he's uh, somewhat a pr proven commodity. Um, you know, if they, if they lean on like Moxley and Janela doing death matches and stuff, then I can see him fitting into that spot. Um, but yeah, I guess that he's just the question mark for me because I don't know if he fits into this slot. Maybe he does. Yeah, my take was going to be that they're, he's obviously here because they're building a deathmatch division. Uh, Mox, Janela, him, Nick Gage is coming soon, uh, Takeda, and uh, they'll have at least two deathmatches per car. They'll have 
two Joshi matches, two death matches, and then the Young Bucks and Kenny doing whatever they want to do. So are they going to have to change out the ring map like Big Japan does about halfway through the show? Yeah, they well, they had a death match at the first show. It was Cody versus Dustin. Right, yeah, and they and, did change out the mat. And they changed out the mat, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think they are uh, well on their way. My only thing here is that, well, first, uh, multi-man suck. They're all bad. But they have to figure out a way. And I, when I say that, I mean like single multi-mans, like, Four people, not all your precious little multi-man tags, Mike. Calm yeah, down. You knew that I was immediately going. I saw your face. Calm okay. down. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like three ways, four ways, whatever. I'm out on all of them. So that makes it tougher because Adam Page has to come out of this looking like a huge star because he has to be a believable challenger for Chris Jericho in just a few months. So these other three guys have to do a great job of uh, helping Adam Page out here. Yeah, and hopefully the multi-man structure helps them do that, like have Adam Page larry at a bunch of people, but then get his pins broken up by, you know, a, a third guy, fourth guy running in. Um, I will say I'm also, I think that multiple single person matches are kind, <laughs> are, are like by their nature, not sports-like. Um, but I'm more in favor of them if you call them three and four-way dances instead of like triple threats and, and four-way matches and stuff. The dance, call it a dance, and it's cooler. Dances are cool. I've heard you like dancing, Nate. I do like dancing. Um, but I, it, it, it was three-way dance what they called it in, in ECW. It was, right? Yeah, it was a three-way yeah. dance. It's just cooler if you call it a three-way dance. Okay. Well, I, I'm sure that Tony is listening, and he'll take that under advisement. When it's uh, changed to a three-way dance tomorrow, then we'll know for sure. <laughs> All right, then we get Cody versus Darby Allen making his debut in AEW. Uh, my take here is uh, Darby has to win. Oh, wow. My take is Darby should definitely lose. Wow. Um, That's a bad take. Yeah, Darby. No, should. The correct take. We saw, I mean, you're somebody who watched his entire run in Evolve where the whole appeal of him was established as being the guy that gets the shit kicked out of him and garners sympathy and has growth that the crowd watches as he gets better at wrestling and gets pushed into you know more featured spots. Now, there is a point at which he would have to win matches. You can't, you know, have him start winning and then lose and go back to the bottom of the card, as we saw in Evolve all the time. But in his first match in the company, um, what Darby has to do is just die a bunch, which he's very good at. He has to take some bumps onto the apron. He has to go flying out of the ring over the top rope and, like, land on the crown of his neck on the, on the ringside uh, grate there. Um, he does not need to win, but he does need to take punishment and, and get over that way because that's uh, what he's done his whole career. He just needs to find a good like lighting rig to climb up and just fall off of. I mean, that's what he needs to do. He's already proven to be less to, to be able to get over that way initially, and then you get the people to suck in, and then the great video that they had at the Road to Fighter Fest is just going to build him up. You're like, it just he could win. But I really feel like that the best way to tell Darby Allen's story, and yes, it might be derivative of his Evolve run, is to have him start off on losing streak, get get his ass kicked a whole lot, and then he learns how to do cool moves and act like a badass, and then the crowd loves him. Like that's that's why you get Darby over, and he will get tremendously over that way. Agreed, and you don't have to worry about uh, you know it being derivative because nobody was watching his Evolve run. <laughs> that was Nate that said that, not me. Certainly not me. 
here's my thing. If Darby loses, it has to be an epic match in which he comes very close to winning. Well, not even very close to winning, but it can't. Cody has to give him uh, some shine, and and he it can't be like a twelve minute match, fifteen minute match. Oh, I mean, fifteen minutes is pretty long. Like that's not a short match. I'm just saying, Darby is. Because none of these people, a lot of these people watching are not going to know who he is. They're never going to have encountered him before. So if he just comes out and in a 10-minute match, Cody beats him, they run the real chance of killing Darby. Nah, I'm not worried about that. As long as he does his crazy, stupid bumps, then everybody's going to love him. Um, He's a small man who throws himself off things and gets hurt, um, and everybody loves it. Uh, I guess the question mark maybe is Cody is not Walter or Keith Lee, um, or somebody like that who has super convincing offense that's going to be like, oh, I can see that you know Darby has a hole in his chest now because Walter just chopped through it. Um, so I guess that's a little bit of a question. Like I don't know that Cody, uh, I don't know, he doesn't project like a ruthless kind of thing where he's going to chuck Darby on his neck outside the ring. So maybe that's a question mark for it. But I think you know he, he, Darby has great looking hope spots. You know, Cody just has to have a convincing match on top where he beats the shit out of him. Darby gets his hope spots. Crowd goes wild. Darby falls on his neck on the apron. Crowd is like, holy shit, but he's still alive. I mean, uh, I think that's the outline for a Darby match at this point. It's probably not dissimilar to the match that Darby just had with John Moxley in new. I mean, there's probably a pretty good chance that Darby gets his hands uh, handcuffed together because he does that uh, just about every new territory that he works. So... Yeah, I don't think he needs to win at all. Um, certainly has to have some hope spots and 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 sell the crowd that he's not a you know fluke local talent or something. But then we have John Moxley making his AEW wrestling debut versus Joey Janela in a non-sanctioned match. It was announced today in a promo video. Uh, my my take on this is uh, the non-sanctioned match thing is very bad and dumb and reeks of uh, WWE. I mean, it's just a it's a no disqualification match or whatever. That's fine. So I don't agree that it reeks of WWE because it predates WWE. Um, oh, does I, it? Does I, it, Nate? Yeah. Well, shocking news. I think that it's potentially bad and dumb. Uh, and this ties back to what I was talking about earlier with how they booked these matches and what the power structure is in this company. Like, is there a is there a board of executive vice presidents that are sanctioning matches? Like, I like that in New Japan, we have like a clear, a higher, like it's all fake, it's all bullshit, but it still exists as part of the work. But there's like an IWGP championship committee and, you know, uh, uh, they don't need an authority figure for it. It's just like, that's the sanctioning body that acknowledges these belts and like puts together uh, uh, the fiction of the, the, the competitive sport here. Whereas here we have, again, matches that are just getting made in comedy sketches or by one of the executive vice presidents uh, of their own volition. Um, and so when you say something like non-sanctioned match, it's like, okay, well, now you're now you're asking me to ask the question, who usually sanctions the matches? Is it the the athletic board of the state of Florida? Uh, if it's, I, that, I guess that's a decent answer, but it's not clear. So um, the match is going to kick ass. Uh, it was the right decision to make it a hardcore match. Um, that's just like, Total nitpicking by me, but they're they're asking me to ask the question. First off, 
the IWGP Championship Committee is not complete bullshit because Milano Collection AT is a proud member of said committee. So there, there are people who exist on it. My apologies to Milano. Yeah, we got to put some respect on his name. But I guess like my thing is when I look at non-exchange sanction matches, I go back to like Terry Funk versus Jerry Lawler when they did the empty arena match where it's like, hey, if you want to fight it out, come to the Mid-South Coliseum and fight it out and we'll just have a camera rolling We where we wipe our hands clean of this. So like I see the justification for having a non-sanctioned title match or non-sanctioned match. It's just for me, it's like the elevation of stakes isn't there for this other than, okay, wouldn't it be sweet. These two had a death match, which is okay. That's fine. And it's also just like in the middle of the card. Right. So it's like, Hey, everybody stick around. I'm sure they're going to bring one of their refs out. Hopefully they don't. Uh, And it's like, here's this non-sanctioned match. And then when we clean that up, we'll do the main event. Right. Yeah. Like that was the thing about Mid-South or not Mid-South Memphis. Memphis, when they did it, it was they made it its own distinct thing whenever they had that kind of match. And in today's context, there's issues with that. And, you know, is this the executive committee of the executive vice presidents? It did. Shad Khan decide, no, you know what? I like that promo. This match is now non-sanctioned. It just like an overall problem that people are having with the promotion and things that I've heard has been, okay, the idea of authority figure, not having an authority figure. And how do you set up a wrestling promotion? in North America in 2019 without this kind of thing. And when you do things like this, like it begs the question. That all being said, this is gonna own the promo video that they had that went up on, on I guess their fourth YouTube channel, which again, guys, come on, please, just consolidate together. I know the Bucks wanna keep their nice YouTube subscriber button, but make it easier on us. Just make it all in one, please. That was just basically John Moxley watching a very rigged up video editing station, making it look like that he was well, he was like scrolling through and maybe making his own music video. Maybe Nick Mondo taught him how to edit in his free time and him driving and digging a hole. I don't know what that hole was for, but he was digging a hole and he, I, he was driving Cody's truck, which he's so proud about, which I loved, which is great that this is like the fifth time they found a use for Cody's truck on, a, on one of their promos, but... Yeah, this match should rule. I think that it's pretty obvious who will win this match. It's just some of the parameters behind it are where I guess I am having the same problem that Nate is. The hole's for Joey Janela, buddy. That's where he's going. Well, then you could... Well, I mean, then you have the casket out that he had in his promo. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But this was a cool video, I thought. I mean, everybody... They made the Janela video look cooler than it was. Moxley looked very cool. Some of it was a little cheesy, but it's like within the realms of pro wrestling. I'm for it. Yeah, was this a sick Nick uh, production? Did anybody check his Twitter? I think it was the uh, guy in Atlanta who's been doing most of their stuff. I know that one of the uh, one of the directors is Stephen Yu, but I don't know if it was him or someone else. Okay. High production values, I thought. I was going to do a tweet of like, oh, this must mean that Mox and... Janelle are going to WWE because clearly the high production values here only they could have produced this. Yeah, match is going to be good. If it's non-sanctioned, then it shouldn't have any benefits to either of their careers, right? right. Like it, like it shouldn't put one win on John Moxley's AEW record. He should remain zero and zero going into his match at uh, at All Out. That's true. I shouldn't have said it's his AEW wrestling debut. It's not. No, it's not. It's not on the card. 
I will for all out. I will say that it's his AEW wrestling debut, unless he's got another non-sanctioned match. We'll find out. No, it's Kenny Omega, right? So I guess that's going to be sanctioned. Yeah, Kenny will sanction it himself. <laughs> but it's, that, so I'm I'm not to harp on this. Like right now, like people are like, no, no authority figures can't have authority figures in this company, which I totally understand because everybody's sick to death of WWE being an authority figure Muppet show. Like authority figure does not mean you have to base the entire show around appealing to the authority figure and all this shit. But right now the status quo is there's like five or six authority figures in this promotion and they all seem to be able to do what they want. Like that doesn't really make sense. So yeah, you can you have, have a, I'm sorry, something, go ahead, if you just define anything, then it works. It just keeps the fiction a little bit more consistent instead of the status quo. Yeah. If you look at like, old school territory wrestling, there's always like one guy who said, okay, next week we're going to have this guy versus this guy, you know, and he didn't have to be involved in every story, but he just kind of sorted things out occasionally, which was helpful. He doesn't even need to be on screen. It can be literally, uh, you know, Tony Khan mentioned off camera when uh, a dispute comes up over some issue, uh, one or the other, like it doesn't have to be a central focus, but right now it kind of is asking these questions of the audience. Yeah, right, like you said earlier, it can just be the championship committee decided we don't ever have to know who they are or anything like that. Right. Like Jack Whitehall has been made into a figure and he just or the title guy is kind of who he's been like, why not say, oh, yeah, Jack Whitehall has claimed this because so far from what I can tell, he is probably the most authority figure person in this promotion over the two things that he's done. So it's just like it begs the question. And I mean, even in Japan, I mean. Technically, Rosi Ogawa is the authority figure in stardom. They refer to, like, when they want to have matches, they ask Ogawa's on this. I mean, in Dragon Gate, they ask Yagi, the referee, if they can make the match. Like, it, you just, you can do these things without making them, like, this omnipresent and omnipresent thing. It's just, when you do things like this and release, like, a video, which was an awesome video, and you're doing this, it, again, begs the question. All right, the main event, the Elite, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks taking on the Lucha Brothers, and the Laredo Kid, not the, just Laredo Kid. Sorry, botch that. Uh, making his debut and kind of, he's been hot lately and he's getting a shot here in AEW. Uh, not sure how, the, as far as a winner, not sure how this plays out considering the Lucha Brothers beat the Young Bucks recently for the AAA titles. But the last time that they wrestled in AEW, the Bucks got the win. So do we need some sort of, Thing there, obviously, Kenny Omega might want to get his heat back after losing to Jericho. Uh, just a lot going on here. Yeah, I think that's why you have a Laredo kid in this match. Is you can have Kenny pin him. Butcher Brothers aren't really hurt, barely hurt. Um, you know, but uh, still being AAA tag team champions, Kenny looks a little bit stronger going into his match with Shima. Um, and Laredo kid like is not hurt at all because this is debut match. He's getting a huge shine on a huge international stage. Um, and he's in there with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So it's like now he's on the level and doing all sorts of crazy spots with them. Like you can pin him and, it, you know, he's going to be a bigger star the next day no matter what. So I, I think that kind of simplifies it. This, of course, is going to be awesome. We pretty much probably know what, you know, 70% of the match looks like having seen tons of Young Bucks matches, Lucha Brothers matches. Um, it's been a while since the Young Bucks have teamed with Kenny as a trio, I think. So that's kind of fun. I don't remember. It might have been like the last one was their one-off Bola appearance, perhaps. Um, but so really the guy to watch here for people like us is 
Laredo kid and, you know, how much of a, a, a star he becomes. Um, but for your new AEW fans, for your people that have never watched a promotion outside of the WWE or, you know, casual TNT viewers that saw TNT drama tweet about the show, uh, I'm sure this is going to blow their minds. Yeah, and for someone like Laredo Kid, I want to throw a quick plug out to an article that Cubs fan did at Voices of Wrestling today talking about how L- Laredo Kid's 2019 has kind of been that this guy who's been a fill-in position, he came in into AAA as kind of a glue guy in a tournament, ended up winning the tournament. He now holds two other titles, and it's just a really fun article that I recommend. Like Having Laredo Kid on this stage, especially after he had an incredible match with Hiyoto Vikingo is something special. And I'm just stoked to see a guy this who's older than people expect. With the exception of Kenny Omega, he might be the oldest person in this match. He's 32 years old. I don't remember exactly how old Matt Jackson is, but I think he might be the oldest one there. I'm just stoked about this. Like, this is a great platform for a guy who was always one of the more solid guys in Lucha Libre. He did some AIW shows, but that really kind of was the extent of his exposure in the United States. And I, I just, th- this is going to be a really cool match. Like Nate was saying, people who don't know what AEW wrestling is going to be, or just know WWE wrestling. I think this is like a great kind of match to have as a main event or what we're assuming is the main event of the show is just a great knockdown, knockdown, drag out trios match. Like this is, if anything, if there's going to be like a mission statement of the promotion, I feel like this match can very well be one. All right. I think this looks like a, Good show. I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. Like overall, what do you all think is like coming out of this? How are we going to think this show was? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be quite a bit of fun. I'm not, you know, I don't. Was I that hyped? I was. I was like media. I got more hyped for Double or Nothing as it approached because it was like, oh yeah, we're going to have like a pay per view big fight, Las Vegas sort of feel here. Um, this isn't that. I kind of. You know, we all saw, or I don't know if we all did. We saw the CEO show last year. It was kind of um, a mixed bag. Yeah, it was. It was a weird experience. It was on Twitch, um, and you know, the like the cameras looked green and shit sometimes. So, you know, I want to see a full arena. I guess that's really what it comes down to. If we, if if they show the first shot of the arena and they've got whatever it was, six thousand gamers losing their shit then I'm immediately going to be hyped for the show and be like, oh, look, like this place is pretty full up and looks great and people are loud and cheering. You know, crowd reaction is like 80% of pro wrestling. So, I feel like that there's matchups on this show that I'm more excited about than I was for Double or Nothing. Like there are matches I was like, okay, this will be real interesting. Like I remember how we were talking about Cody versus Dustin ahead of time going like, this is like a match that we don't know what it's going to be like. And this could go one way or the other and it ended up being something very profound versus the Omega and Jericho match, which was a match that we kind of knew what was going in here. I feel like that there's a lot more matches on this show that I don't know, like it, this, this is a show that kind of feels like what a WrestleCon super show would be if there was a WrestleCon super show right here. It, there's a lot of like different things, it's almost like a sampling platter of, okay, we have what, should be a really fun Joshi three-way dance. See, Nate, I, I'm going to make three-way dance and four-way dance into a thing that we're just going to refer to that as this. Like, that could be really cool. We have a Legends match in Fallen Angel versus Shima. We have a four-way dance. We have 
a star versus an up and comer and Cody versus Darby. We have a death match and we have a main event trios match. Like if this was a show that was put on at a WrestleMania weekend show, like this would be one of the best shows of the weekend. And I just like looking at the show more and more, the more excited I'm getting about this. And I have more matches. I guess I'm more individually excited for than I was at double or nothing. Mike, you just got me more pumped up for the show than I was. Hey. I'm looking forward to it, but hard sell there. I really liked it. I'm giving the hard sell. I think that this is this is a show that has a lot into it, and maybe it is that there's going to be a Shima singles match on the show, and it just gets my, my my general disposition is so much higher now that I'm like, oh, Shima's going to be on the card. Okay, then I instantly like the show a whole lot more. All right, if you guys are are super hyped, then I'm going to be uh, occasionally antagonistic and change my stance. The overwhelming gamer energy of this show is going to metastasize and just infect all the proceedings. Um, and there's just going to be gamer language and lingo dripping from every orifice of this show. And it's just going to be embarrassing to watch. That's my new take. Can't wait for JR and Golden Boy to just fight on air. <laughs> that that should be a treat. I hope there's some weird interaction with the fighting game guys and They're good really- old JR. Good old JR who definitely fucking hates video games. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I someone's going to drop in some like some Twitch like catchphrases into him or like have like a giant emoji sign held up, and Jim Ross is just going to immediately regret all the decisions he's made in the past twelve months. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be excellent. Uh, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I put it in the wrong place on the show notes. Uh, but this show first set up for three thousand in an eight thousand seat arena. They sold those out, opened up some new sections. So uh, the Gosh, I, I jacked all this up, right? Because it's the 658 tickets shy of a sellout for this show, right? No, it's fight for the fallen. Okay, then I didn't jack all that up. Uh, so they're still thinking that they might sell out what they've set up now, which we don't really know what that is. Uh, they're hoping that they'll get a good walk up from the gamers in town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last time they did, when they did the show in New Japan, they did 2,500 fans. So it's definitely going to outdraw the New Japan CEO show from last year and to be honest the 2500 fans when i saw people photos of people in the venue they might have sold 2500 tickets but these tickets at least last year were part of the overall like ceo just like pass like you get a ticket to that as well like this seems like that's distinct and separate and the ocean center is an 8000 seat arena for people who don't know this is where the nwo debuted at bash of the beach 96 so this is a pretty historical place and this is where hulk hogan joined the nwo and became the third man yeah this is the third man venue so it's a big it's like not like a hugely known venue but it is steep of wrestling history with it and what if they bring out hulk hogan no i I was fearing that the entire time at double or nothing i was like hulk hogan signed to the wwe he's back in the wwe now also bischoff's there now i feared it for all in i thought he would show up at all in yeah but it's something that this show is already, I'm willing to guess, just looking at the ticket releases, has doubled up uh, what the sold sell, the, the sold gate was at Stomping Grounds last week. And I mean, they're not going to have to curtain off nearly everything. They're releasing new sections every day this week. So I think that's really awesome. And showing that at least maybe they've done a better job promoting this versus the New Japan CEO show that really felt kind of thrown together last year. Yeah, the uh, Dave said the stomping grounds attendance was, I believe, 6,000 and maybe 4,000 to 5,000 of that was actually sold. So if they get toward the capacity of 8,000 here, then they'll have outdrawn that show. Um, 
really, you know, goes to show that in some cases less is probably more in pro wrestling. If you pretend that things matter and give them room and to breathe and room to matter, then they will actually end up mattering more. All right, two weeks from this Saturday, fight for the fallen. Uh, so it's July 13th in Jacksonville. This is the show that's 658 tickets away from a sellout. I was announced this week that WWE is going to counter program this show with Evolve 131 on the WWE Network. It's the 10th year anniversary of DGUSA, but they're saying it's the 10th year anniversary of WWN, which is complete bullshit, as probably both Bentley and I know as being DGUSA and Evolve heads. This is ridiculous that like I mean it's on brand. It's on brand for them. I mean, this is not like the first time that Vince has ever counter-programmed anyone. Just ask about what ha- why they made Survivor Series back in the day. So, yeah, but... Yeah, I, I don't really care about that so much. Like, I don't know. Who gives a shit about, uh, about this Evolve 131 show? <clears throat> well, uh, so nobody probably did, except that it became a narrative for WWE versus AEW. Um, I think Dave was authoritative and correct when he's just like, this is Vince. Like now we know that there's a wrestling war because Vince is counter-programming the other promotion. Um, you have to expect that. Uh, Kenny, if you can believe it, showed his ass on Twitter a little bit by <laughs> tweeting that he was like genuinely upset about this because it's a charity show for the victims of gun violence. Um, the stream is free, so it's not like people watching the show are helping the charity. I mean, I'm certain there are going to be like calls to action and ways that you can, uh, you know, donate to this great cause by watching or when, you know, they'll be plugged when you're watching, but, um, you know, it, Kenny probably motivated more WWE fans to be interested in that evolved show by saying anything about it. Just, you know, you don't have to say anything. Um, I, I don't know. Twitter is boring, but, uh, as for the evolve thing, um, I guess it's, you know, pro wrestling does fake anniversaries and stuff all the time. Not worth uh, getting up in arms over. I do think it's funny that Matt Riddle, who is like a star UFC fighter and uh, presumed future star, except that they'll ruin him like everything else, is challenging for their cruiserweight title. Like, that's funny because the cruiserweight title, like, you know, is on the fake 205 Live brand and Vince obviously Wait. hates. How is he doing like a 205? They're doing that match at evolve 131 i didn't know this was happening yeah it's it's um it's tozawa (laughs) versus adam cole for whatever belt cole has and then it's uh riddle versus gulak for the 205 live title wait is gulak the champion yeah uh, i think he just won it is he i mean the only thing i know about 205 live is that's where tozawa disappeared to because it's a fake tv show and apparently he might have gotten he would it looked like he was going to get free but apparently he's not so Yes, they've named Drew Gulak champion. So that's it's just funny. It's like, you know, Vince hates little guys or whatever. Meanwhile, little guys are like the top drawing acts in UFC. Uh, and, you know, no no one watching on a TV actually cares how big or little someone is. Um, so that just amused me. Yeah, that, that's all I meant about the evolving. It's like the cards have gotten uh, very bad. And they are the only good parts of them are the WWE people that they bring. No, the only good, I mean, Eddie Kingston's on them. So he's obviously the best part of sure. any of all show. AEW should shell out the money to get Eddie to no show this show, show up at fight for the fallen. And I don't know, introduce a popular new tag team that he has some history with in other popular promotions. 
Mm. I mean, those guys could use somebody to talk. Um, I think that's a good idea, and, and they should take it under advisement. The AEW also announced that Chris Jericho is going to appear on this show. I wasn't clear if he's going to wrestle, uh, but he's going to be at this show. Presumably, he will be in a match. No, I'm going to say he's not in a match because they are already going to sell it out. So you don't need him to wrestle. Have him do a segment with Kenny, build to all out. That's fair. We get the first episode of Road 2 Fight for the Fall in this week. It starts with Nick Sobic, who we talked about last week. He's talking about the Madden shooting in Jacksonville and the charity that is that this show's proceeds are going to go to, the Victim Assistance Advisory Council. Talks about how he's been working with AEW for the last six months, but that Tony Khan's been formulating it for the last three years. He says all of the proceeds from the show are going to the VAAC. So I, there was some talk earlier about how much of the proceeds were going, and he twice said all. So it sounded like a very clear message from uh, Nick Sobek. Yeah, I thought this was a very thoughtful kind of sit-down interview, especially with how the Jacksonville community, and particularly the Jaguars, which I think Sobek was a part of before he moved over to AEW, talking about how much this influenced the Duval County community. I felt like that the the, the tone of the show is obviously going to be much more different than fighter fest or double or nothing so i felt like it was a good way to kind of start people and get people in like the right frame of mind for this so i thought this was really well done he has very strange hair i just want everybody to look for that if you watch this video <laughs> okay <laughs> i didn't notice his hair i was more listening to the content of his words yeah that's not me man wow okay. I, I i forgot it, you have zero chill okay. it's an aesthetic business <laughs> that's right it's an upper body business qt marshall is at one fall wrestling training. I wish I hadn't done that. I really hate myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> training. I hate that shit. Oh, God. she's train He's training Brandy for her match with Allie. This is funny because Brandy's doing, like, uh, destroyers and shit. And just, like, lots of got code red. Yeah, that ruled. I and think I think we saw this exact same sequence of moves when they last did a Brandy and QT <laughs> training segment, which was, like, when Cody was sitting on the outside of the ring. I think it was the exact same sequence, which was funny. Totally. But then the best part is QT is like doing a voiceover where he's saying that Brandy is very driven to prove that she belongs in the ring in AEW. And right as he's saying that, she's like running toward the uh, corner to do like an up and over. And she has the like the worst footwork you've probably ever seen <laughs> trying to get to the corner. Just hilarious stuff. Yeah, the editing of that, you know. Reshoot it. Do it again, Brandy. <sighs> yeah. I didn't notice. I like Brandy. I'm team Brandy. I don't care if she's bad. <laughs> That's okay. As long as you accept that she's bad. Oh, Brandy rules. I mean, she's the best part of whenever she's on being the elite. It's just strong. Agree. Yeah. It's just one of the things like whoever was editing this could have chose a better part for the B roll. Yes. Adam page cuts a promo on MJF about fighter fest. This is pretty good from page. I don't know if it's news, but uh, the most newsworthy part of this is he says he's 100% healed, that his knee is going to be in tip-top shape for his match with MJF and the others. The uh, the knee that was injured for all of half of one segment on BTE, and then he wore it. It was taped up when he won the match at double or nothing. Okay. Hey, Pox has more important things on his mind right now. He has a title match next month, so maybe he didn't lay it in as thick as he should have. Pac's still on the AEW roster page. 
He's going to be in the promotion. He just has to lose the belt or sort that shit out. It's, uh, I, I hate to be one of those uh, roster page nerds. Yeah. They, they but, took off T-Hawk and a Lindemann, and they still have him still on it. Oh, um, did they, they took the other – they took the Stronghearts guys off? Yeah, I noticed that today. Hmm. I didn't know they were on there, but they're definitely not on there now because I looked today. Yeah, a POC update. If they do shows in the UK or outside the United States, I know there was talking about like Montreal and Toronto. He he might show up there. I don't think that it's a creative thing. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, mean, that's that's not surprising. Um, but you know, one presumes that those things can be remedied in due time and due resources. Yeah, about January twenty twenty one. All right, then we get Jake the Snake and Tony Schiavone with a little sit down talking about the Young Bucks versus Rhodes. Rhodeses? I don't know. The two Rhodes. The, the Rhodes brothers. Yeah. Rhodes brothers. There we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was good. Uh, I thought it was funny earlier, Nate, because you said that nobody cares about how big the guy is. But of course, one thing Jake the Snake comments on is how small the Young Bucks are, <laughs> which was very funny. But they do a good job here of uh, putting everybody over and making this seem like a really important match. Yeah. Um, I thought just the premise of this segment was awesome. Like that's a great way to use legends. If you're going to use legends, you don't need them coming out and coming to the ring and doing skits and getting humiliated or whatever. I mean, they did a segment with Bret Hart, double or nothing. That was fine. But you know, the, the typical usage of legends is, you know, somebody attacks them to get heat on them or whatever. This is just like, Oh, you can have some guys with some gravitas like Jake, the snake and with some credibility and with an established relationship with, you know, new viewers or, you know, viewers coming from elsewhere and they can just do a hard sell on a match. And it's like, wow, what a novel fucking idea. The thing that kind of surprised me most about this is I didn't, I didn't realize how much Tony Schiavone puts on announcer voices for when he did MLW and WCW because he came off as very like, I don't want to say soft spoken, but he was very kind of calming person. And I, I like this a whole lot. Of course, like Jake, the snake talking about, how he hates tag team wrestling. And he's like, but these guys are great at it, but I always hated tag team wrestling. I thought that was kind of a fun little nugget there. I mean, I like these kind of things, like how Nate said it shows, gives the legends a bit of dignity and importance rather than whatever WWE does to embarrass them. Yeah. And they did a good job. Jake saying there's a lot of old wrestlers that are looking forward to seeing this match. You know, that was good. All right. Some other notes. Now that we've talked about the next two shows that are coming up. So let's just have some uh, potpourri here. Pro Wrestling Insider reported that AEW applied for a trademark this week for Wednesday Night Dynamite. If you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know that they previously applied for Tuesday Night Dynamite, but it looks like the show is going to happen on Wednesday nights. Instead, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported that the television is going to start on October 2nd, and it looks like it's going to be in the 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. time slot. Yeah, my main... I guess that the players only cast still exists next year. So players only, baby. Yeah. So I guess it's on players Wednesday. Only. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be good for our recording schedule, you know? Oh, yeah. No, it was clearly done with us in mind so that we can continue doing these on Thursdays. Really yeah. Appreciate it. But thanks for the check, by the way, Tony. Yes. Appreciate it. Uh, according to a very close source of uh, this show, can't think of the name, Everything Elite, LAX. Santana and Ortiz will soon be joining All Elite Wrestling. Nate was referencing that a little bit earlier with regard to Eddie Kingston. 
Uh, PW Insider reported that their contracts expire this summer. They don't have a firmer date than that, uh, but we could uh, buy all out, I would expect, see LAX in the promotion. Yeah, that rules. Uh, they're going to have the best tag teams in any U.S. Western promotion uh, once LAX gets added to the roster here. Uh, I expect they'll have to change their name because, of course, LAX was a impact gimmick that was uh, assigned to the team previously known as EYFBO. Um, yeah, yeah. Give them Eddie Kingston or, you know, bring in Chris Dickinson and do Team Pazuzu or something. These guys kick ass. They work super hard and go a million miles an hour, 100%. Um, and yeah, I think they were a team that the Bucks first worked on the Jericho's last year. Um, is a first time ever match that was not actually uh, uh, recorded or taped for outside consumption. Um, so, you know, lots of fresh matchups for them here. Get them against uh, the Dark Order and against the best friends and against, you know, would like to see a strong hearts team back. Um, could be cool. Yeah, this was something that was kind of uh, whispered about for a while and finally had some people that. They don't necessarily confirm that this is going to happen, but this is where the tea leaves are kind of indicating. And these were probably the two best part. They probably were the best part of Impact Wrestling since they've been there. I mean, my, my one little hidden hope is, and the three of us were there at House of Glory when they came out to Aguinale, and I'm hoping that that happens for AEW because it's just such a cool vibe. And the two of them are awesome. Like Santana and Ortiz have been... A, Northeast Mainstays, they were previously in Beyond Wrestling. They did a couple appearances for Chikara, I believe, and maybe like one or two Evolve appearances, I, I want to say. Maybe one or two times in Evolve. But I think they're great. And if they, if this is what's going to happen, I think that this is now a division that we had some questions about now looks incredibly strong just with this addition of the team. Hadn't thought about that day, but yes, AEW has to sign the Dirty Daddy, Chris Dickinson. Uh, yeah. Really, I mean, they've really signed like everybody else that I really like. Like, uh, you know, Darby um, was really <laughs> the first guy that came to mind when I started saying that. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you get you know, Eddie and 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 uh, Dickinson, and like maybe like just sign the whole Skulk, and then every other Hell yeah, every other U.S. promotion is obsolete. They should sign Jaka too, although I get, I think maybe he's quit wrestling. Uh, apparently he's uh, retired, sadly. Although I have to imagine if he's getting AEW money to come and tag with those guys, then that would change his mind. Gosh, why not sign Dickinson and Jaka? Great team. Goes to their tag team uh, thing that they're building. That'd be beautiful. And, and these are tag teams that just never have had opportunities really to face off because the Bucks were all yeah. in the Ring of Honor. Man. Japan Orbit, and you had... It, you had Doom Patrol being in the Gabe verse, and then you had Santana and Ortiz that were doing Beyond and then straight into TNA. So having all these people combined into this could be something really special. And I think I heard somewhere that Jock is going to have one last month match either this month or next month in Florida, but he's pretty much gone. Like, in, unless there's a health reason. If there's a health reason, completely respect it. But Tony, big tone, write a check. And let's bring back the Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol versus the Bucks just got me fired up. Doom Patrol versus Lucha Brothers. Doom Patrol versus T-Hawk and Linda Man. Oh, hell yeah. Like, there's so much good stuff that could happen with this. Like, just get, just get Team Pazuzu. They could be a whole stable there, and it'd be great. Like, come on. Let's Long time friend of the show, Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> now, do we want to raz Mike on his pronunciation of Aguanile? 
Uh, I thought about it. I couldn't really decide. Oh, no, go ahead. I, I, as soon as it, the words came out of my mouth, I realized <laughs> that I thought about it there. It literally well. starts with the word, Mike. I mean. I uh, I know I I fucked up, guys. I just said if we didn't acknowledge it, then the listener would have lost their mind. I'm sure. So. Oh, uh, I I fully expect to be hearing from people about my horrible pronunciation for someone who spent such a long time in Miami. So yeah. <laughs> All right, a few more notes. Cody teased on Twitter that AEW is going to run in Montreal, and he named the, the Bell Center. I think is the name of the arena that he uh, teased. So. There you go. Cody and MJF are going to be on the July 18 AAA TV. It's been teased that Cody and maybe some other AW talent would show up before, and they didn't. But it looks like they're coming uh, in a couple weeks. Well, I want to have my usual caveat about AAA. They're listed. We'll see if this happens. Sure. There is supposed to be, as we mentioned last week, all elite presence on uh, Triple Mania, and that's within the next month in few days so if they're gonna be doing stuff for triple mania which is a show that they really haven't done a whole lot for but we don't need to talk about triple a promotion here it makes sense that they'll be there mjf is kind of an odd choice i would say but he does fit in the idea that triple a loves having foreign heels who hate mexico and you know that he's just going to be doing his character shtick the entire time yeah i'm glad they're getting some AEW guys on these cards mixed in because that just creates the fresh matchups that a working relationship should create. And that's kind of the fun of it. So, you know, I want to see Cody in there with Taurus or whatever. Um, uh, Dave did, you know, you should not expect AEW people on the AAA Madison Square Garden show or the AAA LA Forum show. Um, a, yeah, don't expect AEW people on those cards. Those are going to be uh, however many AAA people they manage to get on there. Hey, Mike, are we going to resonate on his pronunciation of Tarus? Yes, Tarus. Tarus. <laughs> Good bit, Nate. Thanks, you, thanks for doing that so that we can uh, complete. Just happy to set you up for it. <laughs> Knock it out. All right. Uh, friend of the show, Wicca Faze Springs Eternal appeared this week on Turned Out a Punk with Damian Abraham, I guess also a friend of the show, who's been doing the uh, Viceland docs, The Wrestlers, which are very good. I've seen the start of episode, enjoyed it a lot. And the reason I'm talking about this is because the two of them met by uh, their joined, joined their shared love of Everything Evolves, the precursor to Everything Elite. And uh, that's how they became friends. And there's some talk about that on the show. So I suggest everybody check it out. All right. Last a little, note. Uh, a little did not, you know, did not go on to talk about the Aaron plus the Nate plus the Mike. So I'm a little aggrieved about that. Yeah. A little wounded. I will say that I know from a good source that Wikifaze does continue to listen to Everything Elite and uh, occasionally comments on uh, on the show. Okay. If you, if I get any feedback on my uh, you know show opening banter, I'll take it from him. Not so much from Lanza, but <laughs> if Wikifaze has any notes. <laughs> well, I'm sure he will hear this and uh, perhaps he'll let us know what he thinks. All right, last note I just saw today that Warrior Wrestling has announced they're going to be running the Monday of All Out Weekend. So this is really becoming a thing. Yeah, and like crazy Lucha card. Um, yeah. Their last show did not draw very well, even though it was like their big blow-off show with like uh, Eddie Edwards versus Austin Aries in a, in a cage and then Eddie Edwards no-showed or something. And, and they drew like a fourth what? of the audience that had been drawing. 
Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Brian Pillman is super pushed there, feuding with uh, <laughs> really go Robert Anthony, managed by Frank the Clown, who's just a, a great act. Can't can't uh, <laughs> praise Frank the Clown enough on his performance in Warrior Wrestling. What is um, this indie? He's being sincere, folks. So th- this is this indie is a Catholic high school in the Chicagoland area who is doing independent wrestling shows as a fundraising. Uh, effort for scholarships uh, and this is like one of those catholic high schools that you go into the gym and you see like eight retired numbers from people who went on to play in the nfl it's like the one of those catholic high schools well it's also um, it's marion catholic high school home of kentucky legend tyler Ulis, who also played in the nba so yeah there you go it's like you know yeah this is like one of those schools that recruits high level athletes Absolutely. for high school um he's a chicago kid come on but yeah i don't i don't uh, recall Everybody that was booked, Ultimo Guerrero is booked. Uh, Atlantis is booked on this show, like the you know genuine living legend Atlantis from CMLL. It's just um, wild. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up their Twitter and and see what the other ones were. So this now means that if you're going to Chicago for our All Out Weekend, there are the two AW shows on Thursday, Friday. Nothing on Sunday, but this now on Monday, right? On Labor Day. Yeah. This is September 1st, which is the Sunday. Okay. So, uh, very funny. <laughs> uh, the most recently announced guy, because he can no longer appear in AEW due to uh, previous events, Big Mike Elgin is on this show. <laughs> with Daga, Atlantis, Brian Pillman Jr., uh, Filthy Tom Lawler, Andrew Everett, Ultimo Guerrero, Austin Aries is back. Sam Adonis, Dragon <laughs> Lee's on the show. Tessa Blanchard, Brian Cage, just uh, truly hard. Michael uh, Michael Elgin edition just makes it <laughs> really delicious. Um, and w- which is this is see this is a thing where AEW's policy of not using wrestlers that work other Chicago area indies is a good thing because now we know Michael Elgin's not coming back to AEW. <laughs> if you don't know, this promotion markets itself heavily to the Latinx community. In Chicago, so I mean, it's largely a lot of lucha guys. Yeah, and you're getting people who are AAA affiliated in Daga on the same card as Atlantis, who has never appeared anywhere else other than CMLL since he made his big debut. So, and you have Ultimo Guerrero who lost his mask to Atlantis on this show. If, if I'm still trying to figure out my plans, but just to be able to see Ultimo Guerrero and Atlantis, I might have to do this. I might have to go to the show. Fun. I got to be honest. Yeah, it's, it seems rad. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many other opportunities I'm going to have to see Ultimo Guerrero uh, or Atlantis. So, oh God, well, Ogan hasn't said whether he's coming to All Out yet or not. Uh, but if he does, we have to have him there for Ultimo Guerrero because <laughs> I have a lifelong um, dream of seeing friend of the show Ogan raise the roof so we can judge those skills. Yeah, and Ultimo Guerrero would make it happen. Got it. If you're not raising the roof when Ultimo Guerrero comes out, then just get the fuck out of the building. That's right. All right. That's uh, all. Do the notes. It is time for Nathaniel to tell us about BTE this week. That was weird. <laughs> um, all right. BTE episode 158 control room. Um, so this uh, episode starts with Christopher Daniels. In the locker room, he's talking to himself. He's trying to uh, think of an SU bit that he can do for the show. 
um, and he doesn't have any of his running buddies, so he's got to find somebody else. Doctor, as he says, Britt Baker walks in, and Christopher Daniels tries to enlist her for the SCU bit. Uh, however, Britt is mad about March 10th, 2017, um, when they had a, a, a previous conflict of some kind. Uh, that, of course, was when Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian double-crossed the Bullet Club, and in doing so, won the Ring of Honor title from her boyfriend, I think, Adam Cole. Um, so, but then she pretends it's water under the bridge, uh, and says she's going to give, uh, CD a surprise. So he has to close his eyes and then the camera pulls back and we find that he is holding the famous penis of Joey Ryan. Um, the, the, <laughs> the premise here is kind of funny because it's like, oh, I'm going to give you a surprise. And then like, uh, I guess she was going to put one of her body parts in his hands instead. And he got swerved because it was Joey Ryan's penis. Um, I, you know, I guess it was some other gift. Weird, right? It was weird. I did not pick up on the subtext that he was expecting. Well, it yeah. seemed like a, it seemed like a, you know, it's like a provocative thing. Like, oh, I'm going to give you a gift. Close your eyes. Hmm. See, this is weird, Nate, because you are usually very pure. Yeah. And, and I am usually not very pure. And it never entered my mind that there was anything sexual about what was happening. Well, I, I guess until he had a dick in his hand. Sure. <laughs> I guess uh, maybe maybe the uh, the the you know result is informing my opinion of the setup. Maybe it just seems like he would know. Like he knows that he's holding flesh of some kind in his hand, right? He knows what. The human body. Anyway. Presumably he knows what a dick feels like in his I, My apologies to Britt Baker. No <laughs> offense meant. Um, so she, they go to they go to do Joy Ryan's dick flip and like cut it off midway, which was funny. Get the intro and we come back and Christopher Daniels is doing the be clear. <laughs> uh Chris Daniels doing the Peter Griffin cell where he just sells forever. Uh we get Kenny in the Fighter Fest control room, which they uh they tag by putting a very goofer, goofy ticker on the bottom of the screen, which says Fighter Fest control room over and over again. Um, because obviously this is not any sort of television control room. This is like a land party in Jabali's house where there's four computers set up and, you know, uh, more video games out in the living room. Um, Kenny's frustrated with his team. Uh, everything's falling apart. Um, he can't get the salmon that he wants. They do a very funny thing here where they don't have any like reverse shots or other shots to cut to. They just have the one camera. So from time to time, they just flip <laughs> flip the entire picture that they're showing. So everything's backwards. <laughs> and you, it actually almost works. So you kind of don't notice it for a while. And then you're like, oh, you just flipped the camera. <laughs> that amused me a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, then we get MJF. He is on Tinder. He says, all the girls on Tinder are fat and disgusting. Not to use, uh, you know, uh, ultra woke SJW woke dialogue here, but yikes, this does not come off super well because MJF's ex-girlfriend is living out of her car because she went to move with him and then he broke up with her and now she's living out of her car and this is all on Twitter. Um, bad luck. I mean, great healing, I guess. <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's certainly healing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really, really uh, selling this relationship breakup here, uh, uh, the meta sell. Um, so <laughs> he's on Twitter, I'm sorry, Tinder, and his butler, Walter, uh, comes up. He has found him a fake hangman page uh, so MJF can practice for his upcoming four-way match in, 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 in which hangman page is featured. Uh, but MJF says this guy, he's not a white trash enough 
to uh, imitate Hangman Page. Um, but he gets in the ring anyway. He's warming up. They do a funny bit where MJF is like, oh, you know, Hangman has a bum knee. So Walter comes out of nowhere with a uh, a chair and gives this uh, this fake Hangman Page a Nancy Kerrigan and hurts his knee. And MJF puts him in the sharpshooter, which is another shot, of course, at Bret Hart um, rising out of their double or nothing uh, confrontation. We get a quick little plug from the Bucks about uh, an appearance they're doing. This is to show off that they got a waterproof camera again. Uh, and then we cut to Rick Knox, who uh, sees that Luchasaurus is sitting in the driver's seat of a car with Jungle Boys on his shoulders. Uh, this was genuinely funny. They Rick Knox is like, you know, you can't be doing that. You can't be driving around with a guy on your shoulders out of the sunroof. So he starts to count them out like they're, you know, he's doing a ring out here. Um, so Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy get out of the car. Uh, but then, you know, Luchasaurus is like, wait, puts on his glasses. I have a master's degree, which this is apparently uh, giving him the right to drive a car with a Jungle Boy on his shoulders. Uh, this was actually funny. And uh, I, I, it's a more clear communication of what the master's degree bit is, which is that he just throws it out to justify anything in this sort of conversation or whatever. So uh, funnier than the previous uh, deployment of that. Oh, I love this. I think that we're going to have a moment where they're going to go back to Matt Jackson, not having to gone to college and getting outsmarted by Luchasaurus, who's suddenly going to become a billionaire and actually be the person who gets the million dollar contract. I'm doing some fan booking of future BTEs, by the way. And I know how that makes me sound. But I, I Is there a million dollar contract that was established? <laughs> they always try to sign. Oh, that was offered to uh, okay, 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 yeah. like Peter Avalon. Yeah. Yeah, it was Cody, not Matt Jackson, but yeah. All right. Uh, we get another Peter Avalon segment. Speaking of, he and Brandon Keller are talking about Leva Bates. The, uh, we cut to Christopher Daniels, who is still selling. And then we cut to the Young Bucks back in Mexico before their AAA match. To quote the great Roosh, nothing happens. <laughs> this is a great Nate segment, I got to say. Really cool. Um, well, this is what happens when I do it in uh, you know, two minutes while trying to eat food because I was late at the office. Uh, da, 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 da. All right, the Young Bucks. Now they are at an airport in Houston coming back from their AAA match, uh, but their connection was canceled. So Nick puts over that Matt is watching the Lucha Brothers match back for a fifth time. Just a great little pro wrestling thing where he's studying the match because he lost and he's not happy about losing. Uh, thank you for selling the win and loss. Uh, now we got the BT mailbag with a terrible theme song. Kenny is asked, was one of the Joshi, the nine-year-old girl that Kenny wrestled in DDT? Uh, Kenny says, no, uh, the girl that I wrestled in DDT was seven and she was from stardom. However, Kenny uh, establishes that he has a separate and long history with Riho, who was uh, 11 years old when they started teaming in ice ribbon, I believe. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Kenny kind of oversells the team and their history. If you go off cage match, like they had a total of six matches together uh, across like three years, maybe they did at one point win a six man title that they, I guess never lost or forfeited at some point or whatever. Um, there was, uh, I think it was also George W. Bushy who was talking about a Rio interview where she like, you know, talked about, oh, yeah, well, we teamed together a few times. And that was about it. Whereas in this segment, Kenny was like, really like, oh, yeah, you know, long and storied history. Go way back. 
great relationship and all that stuff. It's like kind of funny. The title that they held in DDT was the Nihonkai Six Man Tag Team Championship, which was Kenny Riho and, of course, the legendary six year old wrestler, Mr. Number Six. That tells you how important that tag team was. I also found out today that the seven year old retired like a month later from wrestling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There was, uh, he did at the end of this segment say something like, you never know, you know, who might show up, um, which I think was meant to tease the seven-year-old or something. There was also a point in the last few years where Kenny said somebody sent a letter to the New Japan office that was like, hey, I'm a seven-year-old and I want a rematch. So I guess both those things are worth observing, perhaps. I also saw on Reddit that she got mercilessly bullied in school because of the match with Kenny. I don't know. I can't like, prove that's true, obviously. Jeez. Kenny's got to make that right. That's right. He's got to. Is there a reason that she would have been mercilessly bullied in in that match? I haven't watched the match. No. I'm, well, I mean, I have no idea. That's just what I read on Reddit. That's what I'm reporting right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a random Reddit comment. Bad luck out of us. <laughs> yes. Basically. Um, da, da, da. All right. Next, uh, we get a MJF mailbag segment he says he's legally obligated to do these apparently he did not read his contract well enough uh hey folks have a lawyer read your wrestling contracts um as he does a funny thing here where he uh as a heel move and as a fuck you to nick jackson he films his segment in vertical mode and acknowledges that um he's asked a layup question or something why is everyone so jealous of your star power you are highly underrated you should automatically be the AW champion. MJF agrees. Fine little character bit here. Uh, then we get the Bucks back in Mexico again. They imitate the Cody Dustin segment where Cody asked Dusty to team with Dustin to team with him at Fight for the Fallen, and sort of mock it a little bit. And and they say that we're the corny guys. All right. And then we go back to Kenny in the control room. He's fighting with Robert Downey Jr. because uh, he wants Robert Downey Jr. to appear. But of course, we're on the Robert Downey Jr is a billionaire and billionaires would never be involved in pro wrestling. Um, Kenny wants to cast a full house. He wants Ariana Grande. They're unavailable. Uh, so he's pissed off. Fighter Fest is falling apart. I wonder if they're going to like have that be in a story or like a joke on the actual wrestling show that like it's fire fest and it's falling apart and it's not going well. Almost maybe, certainly. Yeah. Maybe they could do something with like the stage area. You know, they can make like some joke about that. Maybe they can have grilled cheese concessions. Interesting. I didn't really think about them doing that, but I guess if they do a you know a ball pit joke, that'd be, that would, I'd pop for that. Jr. is gonna love that because he'll have no fucking clue what fire no, he's is. gonna be. Yeah, he's. Oh, I wonder if they just have like a, a guy assigned to clue Jr. into what the fuck's <laughs> going on. Maybe <laughs> Jr. listens to Jr. That out. That'd be funny. <laughs> oh, he should. I mean, well, never mind. He's gotten notes from other podcasters before. <laughs> I do not know to what you refer. Yeah, I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right. That's, I'm sorry that he's saying that. It's the most annoying thing when people say that on podcasts. <laughs> once, so he, once he tells me, I'm going to tweet it. So just look at my Twitter. <laughs> um, uh, it's probably the flagship because that's what else is on here. If you had to guess, you guys probably could have figured that out. Final segment. The <laughs> Bailey is mad that Fighter Fest is falling apart. And he goes to find Kenny. But Kenny's just doing DDR. Long shot of Kenny doing DDR here. He kind of does DDR the way that he runs, which is like he like lurches around, which is in character, I guess. That was BTE. All right. Great job, Nate. Thanks. Very 
entertaining rundown of BTE. All right. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I got to go start season four of Bosch, you know? I mean, that's a pretty high priority. I've yeah. got to get this thing up. All right. I, um, <laughs> I might start Eva. I don't know. I've never watched it. I, I don't oh. think I'm going to watch Evangelion. I think I'm just going to just just keep on living my life the way it is. I still have a lot of, of Legends of Galactic Heroes watching wise. So. I'm going to continue watching no anime. Uh, SB's not going to like that. Yikes. I know. Well, we I mean, we watch a Gretzko, but is that really even anime? It's like normie anime, right? Yes, yes, it's anime. It's an animated cartoon. Yeah, it's anime. Yeah, but it's for normies. It's not for nerds, right? Calling your wife a normie. Okay. I, that's not what is I said. It, is it she'd better be, to call her a normie or a nerd? She'll be, she would much rather be called a nerd than a normie. She'd okay, be very mad if she gets to this part of the show. I, 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 I love SB, and I don't want her to think that I was calling her a normie. I apologize. Oh, God. I regret this already. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because I will need a lot of uh, pick-me-ups after this episode comes out, please follow the show on Twitter. Uh, we did get a couple more uh, positive reviews on the podcast. Thank you for that. Nobody wrote any funny reviews, though, so I can't shout out anybody in particular. Ouch. If you leave a nice review, Nate will talk about you on the show. Isn't that exciting? Hey, I, I, I get excited when people talk about me on podcasts, as long as it's uh, you know positive. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Only nice things. Yes, only nice things. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, two eyes like Don Fuji. Make sure you subscribe to the show. You can do it by searching Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice or by subscribing to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If you're on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a funny review, and we'll shout you out. I think that's it. So we'll be back next week to talk about Fighter Fest and my friends. We have a very special returning yes. guest. Not going to spoil it, but a big returning guest. That's all I'll say. All right. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>